to the fifth episode of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Bryn Jackson. This week we talked to Gabriel Valdivia. He's an extremely talented designer, best known for his incredible work at Automatic. He joined Facebook about a year ago, and you've certainly seen his work even if you don't know it. I feel lucky that I get to call him a close personal friend, and when he told me about some of the initiatives he's working on, I knew we had to get an episode in with him before he left for London. Just wanted to quickly mention before we get into this episode, uh, we recorded this in December and it's now February, so this is actually the furthest gap we have between recording an episode and releasing an episode. So some of the stuff we talk about is actually happening right now. For example, uh, this is Gabe's last week in the States before heading to London, which we talk about in the show. So just keep that in mind. And yeah, before we get started, we just wanted to quickly thank uh, two sponsors for this episode. First, huge thank you to Weebly for sponsoring another episode. Weebly is the easiest way for designers to build beautiful websites. They have powerful drag and drop tools that let you focus on design while Weebly takes care of the rest. Best of all, editing sites with Weebly is so simple that your clients can make their own updates once you've designed the site. You can try Weebly for free at Weebly.com. Thanks again to Weebly for sponsoring this episode. This episode is also brought to you by Envision, powering a smarter design process that starts with a prototype and ends with better experiences for web and mobile. Check it out at envisionapp.com. Thanks again to Envision. And now let's get down to episode five with Gabe Valdivia. You're going to London. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, I'm going to London to work on a newly staffed design team there uh, starting in February. I'll be there for a year. That's for Facebook. For Facebook, yeah. Can you tell me uh, how did that come about? I think it's like the epitome of a great story um, of Facebook like how the great things about Facebook. Um, it, it was an idea for a project that I had about three months ago. Um, I literally, it had nothing to do with what I was working on, but I had this idea um, and this vision of how like Facebook could be like in, you know, in the next year or so. And I started mucking it up. Um, I showed my design team, showed uh, a couple PMs, some engineers. Um, I made some prototypes, and it eventually made uh, made it up all the way to Zuck, and he got behind it. Um, and about a month and a half ago, the team in London saw the work that I was doing on that idea, and they um, they got really excited, and they said, "You know, we we have a team of engineers here and PM ready to work on it. Why don't you come um, for a month, and we'll work on like hack the MVP." So I did. And once I was there, um, we realized that it was a, an idea even bigger than what I, ha- what I had thought about. And um, what was originally a month uh, will now turn into a year. So you spent a month there. Uh, tell me a little bit about the difference between working in London versus in the Valley. I imagine there's like a cultural difference, um, but I'll be curious to hear like uh, how the communication worked back to HQ and things like that. Yeah, so uh, one of the the good things about it is that, um, well, uh, one of the things that I like about it is that um, it's a much smaller team. Um, the team over at Facebook is about, Facebook in, in Menlo Park is about uh, like seven seventy five hundred people. Um, and, uh, you know, it's by no means a small company. Um, and I'm used to working in smaller teams. Uh, and over there in London, it's only about 200 of us. Um, and one of the nice things is that is a, out of those 200, a, a lot of those are, um, from remote offices. So like from New York or Seattle or San Francisco and can, we kind of only know each other. So everyone kind of relies on each other to, to like have fun and socialize. Uh, so it's, it's a really cool environment in London. 
And what about uh, in terms of getting work done now that you're eight hours ahead of California time? Uh, what's yeah. that like? Um, well, one of the one of the things that we try to do in London is to have a um, fairly independent workflow from San Francisco. Um, since it is an eight hour difference, if you can work in things that have as little dependency as possible, then um, we're able to move a lot faster than we would otherwise. Uh, one thing that is striking is that at Facebook, it's, it is such a huge company, or at least in my eyes, it's so big, but you were able to just surface this idea. Um, people ran with it. People like, it sounds like people are open to ideas. Um, how does the design culture work in terms of like surfacing those ideas? Is, is everyone pretty open to that or is it saturated with lots of ideas that get rejected or, and you were lucky or? I don't think it's rare at all. No, I think that's, that's what makes Facebook great. I mean, I don't want this to sound like a commercial for Facebook, but you always do. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Facebook is a place where, you know, there's a lot of us. There's a lot of, uh, you know, really talented people working there. And one of the great things about it is that they really focus on everyone being empowered to come up with those types of ideas. Um, so the downside of that is, is imagine there's 7,000 people empowered. So it's kind of like chaos. Like right. there's a lot of stuff going on right. all the time. But there's a lot of success stories. Like, uh, for example, Slingshot, for example, was born that way. It was, uh, we, we have um, hackathons every three months in the company. And those are, you know, they last from anywhere from a day to two, three days. And that people are encouraged to work on whatever they want during those hackathons. And Slingshot, which is a product that launched, was born out of the, out of that hackathon, and it got enough attention that people got behind it, and eventually, um, it was the launch, the app launched. Were you involved with Slingshot at all? No, no, no. That was before I I got there. Okay. How does it feel leaving Disneyland to go work in London? <laughs> I mean, it's a fair question. London is pretty awesome, um, but uh, you know it. I'm kind of, I don't know, like I've been in, in San Francisco for two years. Um, I did the startup thing for a little while and now I'm doing the, the big tech company thing. Speaking of the startup thing, that was automatic. Was that your first job up here? Yeah. Okay. And uh, before that you worked at like a studio in LA, right? Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that for a couple of years and, you know, it, it gets pretty um, like saturated really quickly. Like there's like the fact that everyone you talk to here, uh, it's about tech. It's great at the beginning, but after a couple of years, like, all right, let me, let me get a little more variety. And so that's one of the great things about London that, you know, like tech is not huge. Um, so you're able to have kind of like a, like a startup world, um, in Facebook because it's a smaller team, but it's funded by, uh, you know, a bigger company, which is Facebook, um, in a environment that is not like predominantly about tech. Um, and for, for a year, seems like a, like a nice, uh, break. So does it kind of feel like a nice balance between the little, like the, the smaller startup vibe and the, the big company? Is, is that what you're saying? Like it's kind of a, a more balanced version? Yeah. I mean, at least for a month, I, I, you know, my experience has been very limited so far, but, but it's been really awesome, uh, uh, so far. And, and there's so many great things about London, the city, you know, there's like so much art, so much like history and culture, and it's so accessible to the rest of Europe that, um, I don't know. It seems like a nice little place to settle for a year. Uh, when I was in my last year of college, I spent a long time thinking about working at a startup or a big company. And, and Facebook was at the top of the list of big companies. You've had both experiences now at this point. Which do you like? And can you just like tell me about why you prefer one or the, over the he other? He loves Facebook. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. He picks <laughs> Facebook, Facebook. Facebook, Facebook. Okay. Is that true? 
<laughs> friend is putting words in your mouth. <laughs> I mean, I I do like Facebook a lot, but there it's very different than my experience at a startup. Like I I'm not, you know, by no means am I like a veteran in startups. Like I I've, I've only had a very limited experience there, and I've only worked at one big tech company, so I I couldn't tell you how any other company is. Um, but in my experience, the difference is massive. Like the 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 problems you're you usually deal with in a startup are all about growth like how do we get user adoption whatever we're building you know like if if you're working on something you believe in you think it has the potential of being the next facebook so like how do you convince the rest of the world that that is the next facebook and and like it's all about marketing and selling your ideas to the outside world and all that stuff and there's certainly a lot of uh that at a company like facebook but if we have one thing is users right like we already have 1.3 1.3 billion users so that's not the problem the problem is like it's like kind of like i don't know like the step three or four of maturity of a company like and, and the problems you deal with are, are a lot more related instead of um instead of like user adoption it's like legacy like how do we get all these people that used to do things this way into this new much better way without like change aversion and all these things um so it's just like a whole different set of problems um and I, I seem to enjoy those problems more um, because they're a lot more like system level and we spend much less time talking about the difference between skeuomorphism or realism. So are, are you functioning as like a designer designer in your like day to day on that project then? Or are you kind of more of like a project manager slash designer? No, I'm a designer. Um, yeah, Product designer is, is the title. And one of the great things about it is that will be the only designer there, which is something that I enjoy doing, which is kind of crazy considering the the scale that this could actually be the fact that it's a really tiny team um working on, on something like that you well, can't I, keep teasing us like this man <laughs> this is just not it's, fair. it's all right I want I, your i've details. seen your i've seen your office at facebook though and you're like designer 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 right like a bunch of designers on the team when you were at automatic was it just you as a designer there or were there a few yeah uh it was well so i joined automatic as employee number five or six um and there was uh luba who is like a more like a product guy and him and i worked really closely on design but i was the only like quote-unquote designer at the company for a long time by the the time i left it was 40 of us um and at that point i was still the only designer but i think now they have like a bigger team of designers and back then you were were you designing the hardware i was doing everything but the hardware so i was working on marketing the ios and android app the website the packaging um and helping out a little bit with the hardware but that was mostly done uh through an uh, industrial designer how how does that kind of like one-to-one like the person and their car compared to like these massive connections between people i think there's a lot of overlap i mean there's you're working on a product that one person uses right and and that person is not a single user there's like part of a collective of people that that react to your your product in a certain way and facebook is not much different than that The, the only difference is that the number is much bigger um like something like automatic you can you can reduce that number to like people that drive right which is vague enough but still like uh, somewhat specific you can't really do that with facebook i mean i guess like people with thumbs it's like the goal <laughs> is literally everyone i don't know i have this this thing that i've been thinking about since i since i joined facebook that like designing for like so automatic um had a like like tens of thousands of users which 
uh, from our eyes it was by the time I left so from our eyes that was like a gigantic number it was imagine something that like five people built in like a tiny room in uh, Market Street and like we didn't know if people care about the problem we we're working on or even um, or even care about the way we chose to solve that problem so the fact that there was like more than 10 people that were excited about it was like huge we were like just like it's incredible not only that it was like, it was like a device that you have to buy for a hundred bucks like it's like a big barrier and facebook right that number is way bigger so like i've been thinking that designing for like fifty thousand users is like pretty easy like you just find that niche and just like like design something that is like for designers or for like whatever like it's pretty easy 50 100,000 it's not it's not too difficult like 500,000 is pretty hard right because now you're involving like all these different types of needs like you know like a million people that's become start like starts to become harder 100 million 500 million and when you get to a billion it's like you can't really narrow your target audience on like any specific demographic or like archetype so I think, and those are the problems that, are, that I really enjoy working at Facebook, where like all these things that they taught you in school, like define your target demographic and like, you know, tackle that. Like that's out of the window because when you're working at something that is so broadly, you know, adopted, like newsfeed is like the one piece of software that is the most engaging thing of all time. Something like that. It's like, it, it, it's insane. We're tackling these problems that nobody has before. And, you know, say what you will about the way we are tackling, like it's not perfect, but we're, we're learning uh, along the way, which is really exciting. One thing that comes to mind is that working at a company where you have to support hundreds of millions of legacy users or like different devices and old computers and smaller screens, um, does it make design work tedious or slow compared to a startup where you can be a little bit more um, agile? Agile. (laughs) How (laughs) how many buzzwords do we want to use? But like you can can move faster and like um, you don't have to account for every use case really but facebook you guys have to account for people that you know still use number pads on their phone so so do, do things move slower or what's what's that been like for you i mean yeah they definitely move slower if, we, if you only support like nexus five phones right like if that's your your end goal then you're definitely going to be moving slower if you have to support all phones um but i, I wouldn't call it tedious like i i i think that you know designing for a very niche audience at least for me at this point, has become less attractive. Because, I mean, there's people just... You can find anybody that likes anything anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, somewhere in the world, somebody's going to be into, like, very specific type of experiences. So, like, to me, that, that kind of loses its value. To me, the, the challenge is, like, how do, how do you find... Like, how do you, like, fit in some deep lyrics in a pop song? It's kind of, like, the way I think about it. Uh, like, you can create some avant-garde music uh whenever you want and 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 that's fine like there's gonna be like three people in like portland that are gonna listen to it but you know when you when you can actually like squeeze in some meat with your candy i think that's like really exciting i mixed like four metaphors there so sorry (laughs) holy cow that was an amazing stack of metaphors that was so good (laughs) meat candy songs how do you how do you put something meaningful into something globally attractive like that's a really hard problem yeah, I mean, I, th- th- yeah, it's really hard. There's like, that's why we have like a ton of really great designers at Facebook. Like you guys are interviewing probably the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, hey, no. I, I always thought that anyway, so it's no big deal. <laughs> uh, Facebook's been making this huge play to like just experiment with new apps. Um, Slingshot, of course, is one example. Um, have you had any exposure to getting to work on any of those kinds of projects or 
Can you tell us a little bit about the design philosophy behind like branching out and trying new visual styles on on different apps? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a few different sides of that. Like um, that's just an opportunity for us to experiment. It becomes really hard to experiment when you have you know 1.3 billion people using your product. Um, and Facebook is notorious for like changing a lot. Um, so in order for us to like experiment with new patterns, new, um, ideas or new kind of like, um, dynamics, uh, social dynamics, uh, we can create separate kind of, uh, experiences, separate, um, spaces for people to go to. Um, so the Facebook creative labs, um, initiative is kind of allowing us to, experiment without the fear of like you know failing if we don't reach a billion users within a year right so that has birthed apps like slingshot or paper rooms which is probably like the most experimental app that we've released to date bold uh, yeah it's it's a bold app and 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 it, it comes from people that see the value of what facebook is trying to do but they don't really identify with like the way facebook the the blue app specifically is doing it so they want to like, figure out different ways in which we is can that, that part of what drove the kind of constellation style of app development where like messages is, is its own thing like each function has its own app well i think that's different so like those um so there's like experimental apps like slingshot and rooms and there's apps like messenger which is just like a juggernaut it's like a gigantic um product and if you fit two gigantic products inside one app on your phone like one that makes your your app much uh bigger to download so people are like in, in emerging the markets, binary itself is just massive right so that's the and, and then the understanding of like what the app does like when when you you know when you unlock your phone you have like this blue app with the facebook logo on it and you're like well what is, what does this app do this is an app that i use for like instant messaging and also for like to curate my profile and like to talk to a specific set of groups but also to talk to everyone i know like there's all these different concepts that you're bundling into this single app that um don't really fit in the mobile world so um kind of like siloing those those concepts that we've been doing with messenger and most recently groups um, I think makes sense because those are like individual experiences that that deserve it. What about events? Is events something that like you guys are thinking about at all? We are thinking about events. Yes. Can you talk about some of the thought process behind like how you work on events? Because I know it's been sort of like designers have complained about it for a while. I think users have known that there's like there's room for a better events app within Facebook. How much can you share about like? how you guys are tackling that problem and from a design perspective, like I, I imagine that's going to be its own app at some point. Yeah. My perspective is not very different from what I imagine yours is. Like I, I don't work on the events team. Um, but I, I do know that it's like very widely adopted. Like people really like using it. Um, and you know, there's, there's, there's an opportunity for to make it even better. Like there, you know, like Facebook, it, it's filled like with employees that realize what it could be. Um, a lot of the people at Facebook are like fairly new. Like I've been in the company for a year, and I think I've been there longer than like fifty percent of the company by now, um, which is insane if you think about it. Fifty percent. Yeah. Um, Holy crap! So that's people that have joined within the last year that are exposed to like the frustrations of using something something like events 
and they join because they want to fix it. Um, so I think you should rest assured that we kind of realize. Yeah, what, yeah, of course. What's what's wrong with it, and we're like we're trying to to make it better and better. Hey everyone, just taking a quick break to thank our first sponsor, Weebly. Weebly is committed to a design aesthetic that inspires you to create amazing websites. They have the tools you need to enrich the designing experience. It lets you do more as you're making websites, whether that's for yourself or for a client. You don't have to worry about updating your website or maintaining it anymore. Weebly just takes care of everything. They have this insanely powerful drag and drop tool. They have full HTML and CSS customization. They really give you the power to make any kind of website you want, a blog, a store, all from scratch. Uh, you can have the freedom to design these beautiful websites in any way you want. They have ready-made building blocks that save you time. You can just plug in an e-commerce module. You can just plug in a blog platform. Every essential you need. Weebly gives you full control without all the grunt work. You can try Weebly for free and see what thousands of designers are already building on at Weebly.com. Thanks again to Weebly. Comparing the uh, the whole agency to startup to massive conglomerate thing, has, has that changed your style a lot just in, in the way that you work? Has, has that led to like significantly different workflows? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, first off, you know, I've been getting a lot better in the past few years. Like, I'm probably far from being good. Oh, no, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just ask Benny, dude. Right. <laughs> well, you get what, how, however good you think I am now, I, I was like significantly worse two years ago. And like, very, 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 very uh, worse than that, like a year from then and, and so on. So, my perspective could be a little like muddled by that because like I've, I've just been growing a lot personally as a designer. Um, but, um, you know, like there are things that you don't have to worry about in the startup, right? Like if, if you're working on the team of five, um, or whatever number, like, w- when you sit next to the CEO and like to your left and to your right, you have an engineer, like you don't really have to worry about like communicating because you just turn your chair and talk to them about it, about like a certain interaction or like the way something should feel. And not only that, you have no like, legacy to worry about like it's like you're building something brand new which is what a lot of these startups are are doing um at facebook we don't have that luxury we we you know we have this gigantic code base of an app we have like all these like different um people working on it like there's like i think there's like 10 engineers per designer so like any any given team or something like that so if i have an, an idea for a product right like a certain um feature of a product um I need to communicate that to the iOS team, to the web uh, desktop team, to the Android team, which is not an Android team. There's like Android, there's like what we call typical Android, which is like devices that are older than uh, like something like a Nexus 5 or whatever. Um, there's the mobile web team, all these different teams, right? Like, So you need to be able to communicate. I really love that typical Android term. That's amazing. Like the older, cheaper devices that people like get free on contract and shit. Yeah, well, that's that's um, it, it's it's easy to dismiss, but that's like the the predominant way people experience no, I, Facebook. I, I totally I agree. I just I just I'd never heard it phrases typical Android <laughs> yeah. compared to like I guess Future like front Android. runner Android. I don't I don't know what you'd call that flagship Android. I don't know. Yeah, that's Android. really interesting. Like that's a interesting. So are you 
you say you have to communicate these things a lot. Are you working right. a lot in prototyping tools? I imagine you're using Quartz Composer. That's Facebook's like whole like huge thing, right? Yeah. Well, so that, that yeah, um, we and because we already have a visual language like fairly established, um, we can just borrow from that as much as we need. So a lot of the work is is doing proto- in prototyping, um, and we can do some pretty thorough robust prototypes of facebook and and you know a lot of people prefer origami um but others use framer a lot and it's really and other people are comfortable with objective c so they just build it themselves um it's really whatever you're you're comfortable with like you can use keynote you can use like envision like whatever you really want um as long as you can get your idea across so that you know you uncover all these questions um so that it's a you communicate your idea across all of them. So one of the interesting things we brought up with Wilson and Sam was that like a lot of prototypers are only good for like one interaction at a time or one photo time. Is is that true at Facebook where you have these like amazing tools for it? Or do you, do you kind of do one thing at a time and then just kind of like go like state transition state and just kind of show the flow in separate pieces? Or, or do you get further in like multiple interactions in a prototype? Yeah, I, I think it depends how much time you're willing to invest in it. Like I, I've been doing that for a bit now, so I can mark a whole flow pretty easily. Um, like I'm, right now, my my workflow is probably like thirty percent sketch, seventy percent origami. Um, uh, maybe like thirty percent sketch. Oh, I had no idea you were using, using sketch. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, whatever, whatever you want. So 30% sketch, 65% origami, like 5% screen flow. <laughs> like, so, so you like record your, uh, work, your, your UX prototype, and then like you make a video out of it and you show it to your team, etc. Um, but yeah, I think it depends on, on how, um, how comfortable you are with the tool. I think people that prefer Framer, they prefer, prefer because it's much, um, I don't use Framer, so I, I'll probably do a poor job explaining it, but it's... It's extensive and it's JavaScript, I mean. Right, so people feel like it's more stable for longer interaction. This is my just general lack of knowledge about Facebook uh, coming out, but do you have to, like... Is, are you at an advantage to know these prototyping tools, or can you come into Facebook as a purely visual guy and, like, never touch code or never touch a prototyping tool? Um, how does how do how does that split up into these, like, really specific roles or... Or is everyone encouraged to learn those and learn how to code? Yeah, so we only have one title for all designers, which is product designer. There, are, I know there are other companies like uh, Google that have like prototypers and I don't know visual and other are like interaction designers. Like I don't know, but, UX slash UI designer, <laughs> UX slash right. UI. Um, yeah. So, uh, so fi- designer then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. I mean, that's asking for like not print, right? I think you would have to specify print designer in this day and age. Uh, you'd be surprised. Yeah, you'd, you'd be surprised. There, I yeah. mean, I've been doing a lot of uh, working with a lot of uh, schools, and people are just still not like they're just like making random fucking shit. Like it's not it's not like it's not like specific to UI really. Like there, people are applying at Facebook, and they're just making like jackets that when you move they teach you how to dance like shit like that and like which is exciting whoa <laughs> dude i hope you hired them that's cool right which that's cool but but it's like hard to apply to like um like a specific flow anyway um uh, sorry i forgot the question uh do you have to know how to code oh, right, to be yeah. an advantage at facebook um 
No, you don't have to. But we, so we, because we only have product designers, we try to um, hire a bit of a generalists. So people that have an interest in prototyping and um, product thinking and appreciate craftsmanship and visual design um, and can kind of like juggle all those skills and meet kind of like the standards that we have at Facebook, uh, which is not every type of designer. You know, there's people that prefer just like specializing on like icons. Like I'm a really great icon designer. That um, sometimes they're a good fit at Facebook, but uh, most of the time uh, that's not the case. So a lot of those qualities seemed like they kind of boiled down to taste. Do you think that's something you can teach people or do you think that's something that has to be like innate? We've, we've been talking about this a lot lately. So it's Yeah, the debate is is taste a learned thing or yeah, nature do, versus nurture. Do you think you're you have just a good taste by the way you were born and raised? I don't I don't think so. I don't think is is innate. I think that you can I don't know. I like when I talk to like designers that are just like up and coming and they ask me like how do I do it? You know, how do I get started? I usually recommend like just find somebody you like and just copy the shit out of them. Like, just like, you know, like pixel per pixel, like just do it over and over again until you understand the decisions that they they made. And then you'll start ra- like thinking in the same way and rationalizing things in the same way. Um, so I, I do think that you can kind of like learn by osmosis, like learn by, by doing, um, there's a certain degree of taste, but there, there are things that you could do to, to kind of like inspire taste within you. Um, I don't, I don't think there's people that just like shouldn't be doing design. Like just like, you're like a terrible designer. You should not be doing this. Like even those people have an opportunity to, to learn. I mean, it might take them longer than somebody who's more adept for it. Um, But yeah, especially when it comes like, maybe if you're doing like book covers or something like, or you're doing like, I don't know, like, product design is like it's not that subjective like there there is certainly a level of subjectivity but it's like you're solving a problem and there's specific ways of measuring how effectively you solve that problem um and i think the subjectivity comes like once you're past the line of like okay this is good how do we make this great and then at that point there's like multiple paths you could take um but you know if you work at it you could make things good We've been going at a high level. I'd love to hear about maybe just one story of something really challenging that you've worked on. It can be at Facebook or at Automatic, just like a design challenge that you stumped you for a long time. And like, tell us that story of how you worked through it and got around it. Like a specific one? Um, that sounds like a job interview question. And yeah. next, uh, what are the three, three what are your, what's your biggest weakness? Gabe? How many marbles in a pool? <laughs> uh, um, so Automatic. Automatic is a product that um, it's it's a device that connects to your phone. Sorry, let me do that again. So oh, shit. that's like a terrible way. Of- <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. One more try. <laughs> no editing. It's a device that connects to your car and that speaks to your phone through Bluetooth and gives you all sorts of data about your driving. That that explanation, um, though it's vague, took us a long time to kind of like get to. Um, so when I when I joined Automatic, it was five of us, and they had this thing, they had this device that connected to your car, and then like we had all this technology, like what do we do with it? So a lot of what I did uh, at the beginning was to kind of like come up with a story 
that could sell this technology like what what are the things you could do with this device because if you just tell people hey here's the thing play with it like developers are going to be stoked about it but that's like a just a small portion of like the potential market um so a lot of the things that i did was like okay I, and i shouldn't take credit for this like all, all of us did this um but we we kind of like narrowed it down to like four key uh points like one is that it makes you safer right so like when you get into a car crash it can call uh 911 for you and alert your your emergency contacts so that's cool uh two it can make driving more efficient um which is like as you're driving it can tell you like when you're accelerating too quickly or braking too hard and those things affect your fuel efficiency so um in order like we could coach you so you can drive the unoptimal way and um save money on gas um and things like that so like we we came up with like those kind of like uh key selling points and that w- we were able to tell a story that was succinct and people could uh relate to it and resonate with them um and it could help us kind of like take the product to the next level so that, that i mean that that's still kind of abstract but but it was like a pretty big challenge to like get uh, they gave me like this is a technology it does all this shit like how do we sell it like i had to like narrow it down to like four key points um which means saying no to a lot of things that you could have done um in order to to tell about our story how did that happen where they had the the physical device before they even knew what problem they were trying to solve um it was i i think it, the the problem they were trying to solve pivoted a few times but the device was born out of uh some uc berkeley research that the co-founders uh did when they were doing their phd um they worked on they they were really interested in like um traffic data and like fuel efficiency and initially they had a way of of doing that with just the phone um but when um at some point i think uh yuba the product um, guy walked in and he was um, very eager on like the advantages we would have if we had a, uh, a, a standalone device for it. Um, and that allowed us to do things like, um, like have a really secure encrypted connection between the device and the phone um, and do like over the air updates. So we can, every time we had a new uh, feature, we could do that uh, pretty seamlessly, things like that. Uh, I think like the normally praised like workflow is you have a problem and then you build something to solve it. Uh, which which did you like better? Like uh, if you have a problem that you know exists and you design a, a solution for it, or having this technology and you get to like play around with it and figure out what you want it to be. Which do you like better? Um, I think I think it, I think the other one doesn't work. I think just having a technology and like throwing it out there it doesn't really work. Um, until you find a problem that I, that I can address. Well, that that's the hard part. Like, what if what if you have this amazing technology and and it doesn't address a problem? Then you're just shit out of luck, right? I mean, it's Google Glass, right? That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, shots fired. Um, I mean, it's great technology, but doesn't doesn't really. I don't know. It's, I guess if it doesn't ever like connect with users, then what's the point? Right. Which connecting with users, something you just wrote about. Yeah. How does the emotional stuff factor into building a product for a mass of users compared to like a small user base, like with automatic? I mean, coaching people, you kind of have to connect to them on a, an emotional level. Yeah. How how does that change? I mean, that's that's interesting. There's a lot of things there that are outside of a product designer's um, control. Um, 
you know, there's a lot for, at Facebook, for example, there's a lot of brand perception that affects the things that we can or can, cannot do. Like we may have the technology to do something really great, but our brand doesn't let us because we're perceived as, you know, creepy or whatever. Um, so a lot of people go in the wrong direction with that. They're all about coulda, not shoulda. Like that, that's really nice to hear that like you guys think in depth about that. Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, you know, like a, a product designer shouldn't really be like the, the article you mentioned, it was something that I, that I wrote in response to people, um, you know, like people reacting to products in an irrational way, right? Like the, there's things that you make at Facebook or anywhere for that matter, like automatic as well. And pretty much anything I've ever done, there's people that just like hate it. Um, and part of it is because like we established, I'm not a great designer, but <laughs> the other part of it is like, people are just bound to, to have like, you know, like have an extreme reaction to things that you can't really control. So to me, the, the motivating factor is not whether people are happy or sad or uh, about something that you make, but it's the reason why you make something. Um, and the fact that every step you take is like it gets you closer to that goal um which is you know like you could argue that that's not a user-centric uh way of thinking about products but um yeah, it is what it is <laughs> right away in your piece you mentioned that uh you really enjoy working on the hiring piece do you kind of judge uh their work based on an emotional connection do you like play with their stuff a lot beforehand or do you just kind of like browse through portfolios and resumes and stuff this is hiring at facebook yeah um i've been doing hiring for a bit i i did a lot of that in the studio uh, i was working out in la um and now i've been very involved at facebook i um i I guess i was trying to ask do you select for the emotional content or is it really like a uh, like a pure capability standpoint and then you work on teaching the emotional thing no i I think that a lot of the decision making happens after the we see the portfolio like there there is all like there there's a lot of things you can do to speed up speed up your portfolio um that not don't necessarily reflect the quality of your work day to day um you know there's like culture fit there's things like um you know, you could have just like found a template online and like modified it, and and that's like the, all of a sudden the portfolio that everyone's like um, inspired by. Um, so I think that you know the the process of meeting somebody and actually like solving the problem together and understanding how they think, uh, how do you arrive at the conclusions that they get to, is really the the deciding factor of whether somebody will be a good fit for your team or not. What's the biggest mistake you see people make that reach out to? automatic or facebook looking for a job as a product designer the biggest one i they're better than him (laughs) (laughs) that's a good thing so most of them no um it's um i think that the biggest one is like they they wait too much um to get what they want so like uh, you know, I, I would talk to a lot of like people in, in universities to get an internship at Facebook and they're like, yeah, I want to get into mobile design. I was like, cool. What have you done? And they're like, nothing. That's why I'm like, inter- like interviewing for an internship. I was like, uh, it doesn't really work that way. Like you don't like, even if you're an intern, like we can teach you things, but we can't just like teach you the basics. Um, so 
there's so many tools around for people to explore what w- their interests. Um, and that is really the skill that, that we look for, like that initiative of like, I'm interested in mobile design. I'm going to go out of my way and like go to Treehouse and like learn some courses there and like learn how to do Objective C and like, look, this is an app that I made. It's, it's the first app. It's probably going to be shit, but like do it 10 times. And by the 10th one, you're probably going to be a pretty good, you know, like, um, product designer or iOS, um, you know, designer or whatever. Um, so that, that kind of like, um, self-censorship for exploring new things that people have like it's it's a little frustrating because you need that at a, at a at a bigger company you need to be able to like have an idea and like pursue it without anybody's permission um or n- anybody telling you like work on this and you're like okay i'm gonna work on that for like a year like that that doesn't typically lead to success in my experience uh, at, a, at any company like you, you need to like continuously step outside your your responsibilities and show like initiative just want to jump in real quick and thank our second sponsor again, Envision. Today, design makes all the difference when it comes to the success or failure of your product. So anything that helps you prototype, spot problems, and use your tests faster is huge. That's why Envision has become a key part of the design process at companies like Twitter, Adobe, Airbnb, Evernote, and many, many more. With Envision, you can build fully interactive prototypes without a single line of code. And everyone from copywriters to developers, clients to stakeholders can give their feedback right on your designs. Add its intuitive project management tools, and you've got your entire design process all in one place. Check it out today at envisionapp.com. Thanks again to Envision for sponsoring the show. Do you have the time or opportunity to work on your own side projects and like learn new skills, or is that sort of what the hackathons are for? How do you get to branch out and try new things? Yeah, so that, so that's what the hackathons are for. Um, just because we we have a pool of really talented people that we could use. Um, but Facebook is very good at kind of encouraging you to, um, spend like, you know, there's like, I think there's a cliche by now, but there's like 80, 20 rule, like 80% work, 20% your, your own time. Um, and you know, a lot of us, like if, for example, if you're into public speaking or, or if you, if you want to get into that, like you could use that time to find better ways of, of doing that or, uh, into, you can get into prototyping or you can get into like, like for example, Facebook sponsored a eight week, uh, like intensive course, um, for designers to learn Objective C. So, and I, and I, that was something that was interested in. So I, I took like, uh, for eight weeks, I took this class, which is like twice a week for an hour and like 10 hours of homework every week. It was like super intense. But by the end, by the, by the end of the eight weeks, like I, you, you kind of know how to build an app. Like we built Flappy Bird. Like, <laughs> that's awesome cool. nice um and that by the way that's not like a specific that's not like a like a facebook specific thing like i know that other companies do something like that sure. as well yeah. but but they they invest and in, like they invest in their employees so they can get um different skills um to like stay motivated have you built anything since you built flappy bird um i i am like halfway through an interesting project Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> let's hear about it um, that sounds like about as much as you're gonna say. Uh, I'm I'm like debating whether I should talk about it or not. Um, but maybe maybe I'll announce it here. How's that? Ooh, like this is details exclusive. That was Brent, not me. <laughs> at a, at a I know it sounded like Brian's normal voice, but <laughs> that's why I'm scared people will think it's me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so like a future episode, I'll, I'll announce it. Just like tease it here. Uh, okay, all right, all right. All right next time. <laughs> 
Oh wait, that was the whole teaser. You're not even gonna. Yeah, yeah. Next time, not even on design nibble? details. Not even dun, a little dun, nibble. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the Christmas? Got spirit? that cereal joke. God, that yeah. Christmas one is so. Check fun. that off your list. <laughs> Jay did it. Jay did it. Oh yeah, dude. Well. Are, so. are we doing cross podcasting? <laughs> We're about to get meta here. All right. All right. Why did Jay do it? I don't know. Well, I um I was convinced about this a couple of days ago. Uh, a friend of mine, like, got like super into like like uh, I recommended the podcast to him, and he just got super into it. Like he went to the subreddit and the whole thing. Like there's like subreddit. There's like Google Maps of like all the locations, <laughs> and, like fucking, like tower, like the cell towers and the whole, the whole thing. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It you, spun off two I've, I've separate podcasts about a podcast. That's insane. And now I'm no, sure there's more than now that. a third for sure right now. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what this is now. So my my serial my, details. My thesis was that there's like so, like both Atnan and Jay were both involved uh, somehow, but we don't have enough information to like like say for sure that either of them did it. Um, so I think there's like a third party. Like, kind of what they teased in the last episode like a third party that is either like a group of people or like somebody else who's like involved anyway that was my theory but then my friend came in and he just told me like what he learned after like hours of researching subreddits and like reading case files and all that shit so like I'll just say Jay did it because it's easier that sounds like that reddit police work that led to like someone dying related to the Boston bombings because oh. everyone pin- like fingered him <laughs> That was bad. And now we know there's some kid in Baltimore named Jay. (laughs) Or there was 15 years ago. I mean, we don't have to go too deep into detail, but the thing that stood out is like, she she did this for 12 episodes, and like, obviously she did a lot of research, but by the end of it, it it's clear that there's like, it's, there is no, like, we don't know if he's guilty. Like, there isn't this really clear evidence, and by the nature of like, our legal system, he should not have gotten convicted, right? You have to prove well, beyond a reasonable doubt. she thinks they should not have. Sure. That's but the thing. Like, I we, think we, you, any, listeners, e- any listeners left with enough questions that, like, if this, if the, it had been presented to a jury in, like, a more clear way, so it's there is still reasonable doubt, right? One, it's 15 years removed. Sure. No one's actively working on the case, so she didn't get access to immediate information. So, like... She doesn't have all the details. She can't. Sure. She okay. just can't. Fair enough. So, like, this was a valueless experiment into storytelling about something that could only cause pain for three, like, or four families or whatever. Like, all it did was cause problems for them for a few weeks, and then that was it. Like, that doesn't seem like it added value to anyone, except for NPR, maybe. <laughs> like, that's tough. Like, I don't I, get I, it. I, I don't know. I thought the journey was pretty valuable. Like, But if it causes pain for a few families, doesn't that kind of suck? Like, it, it just digs up, like, old crappy memories but nothing came of it isn't that kind of tough yeah yeah could but, see but then like there's like the, there's like the mass hysteria now that like anyone thinks that they could go to jail for no reason which is like it's worth it like that whole paranoia of ah uh, yes mass <laughs> paranoia that's helpful <laughs> i don't know I, I listened to all of them there were like three or four episodes i liked where it seemed like it was gonna go somewhere and like something was going to come of it and then nothing did and i was like well that was uh <laughs> that was nothing all right, well, we got off topic a bit, but uh, really, you can't share anything about your little side project. Okay, so if next not, time. If, okay, next time. But I'm, I'm curious. There is like a, a pretty big movement now about building in the open and like you uh, tweet about what you're working on. You share screenshots and you get feedback from day one and like 
MVP lean startup, blah, blah, blah. Um, every time I talk to you, I tell you about a new project I'm working on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's, what's your take on that style of building? Cause clearly you're maybe leaning in the other direction about like, maybe you have IP oh, that you're um, protecting. Uh, I don't have a really strong opinion. I, I, I um, the reason I'm not talking about it is because I, I haven't worked on them for months. I don't even know if it's, okay. if it's not like an, like an active thing. And there's like somebody else involved that might not be cool with me sharing it to the thousands of listeners right now. At least a hundred thousand at this point, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Um, let's talk about a 15 year old murder. That'll probably just boost it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do think people like, um, I mean, more like philosophically speaking, like I, I think people like uh, value ideas way too much. Like, people, like ideas are like, like it's easy. It's, what is the saying? Like ideas are like assholes, and everyone's got one. It's the execution, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so, so like the whole thing, like, oh, I'm working on something, but I can't talk about it. To me, that that whole thing, it's not. Um, uh, it's, it's unfortunate because I think there, there's a lot of growing we could do by sharing all these ideas. Um, having said that, I, I have. You know, I never got in one of my ideas stolen. I'm sure it probably sucks. Um, but I don't know. I think the benefit of, of talking up through problems together with like talented people, which San Francisco is filled with them, um, is uh, kind of outweighs kind of like what anybody else could steal from your idea. Having said that, I can't talk about what I do. If I do. <laughs> yeah. That being said, your big fancy um, Facebook idea I'm is worthless. Look. You better execute it, you better handle that <laughs> asshole well. <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll we'll look forward to that one um why is facebook the worst <laughs> what about it is I just don't the think worst should answer that. <laughs> yeah. no yeah i mean i don't know does zuck have the don't take pictures of the animal sign on his door because he turns into a werewolf at night yeah yeah a duck a like, mandarin speaking duck <laughs> You yeah, heard I mean, it here, I, people. I, 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 Zuck's wanna a duck. Make, I wouldn't want to make this like also like a like a Facebook like because I mean I legitimately like Facebook. So like anything you ask me, I'll be like, yeah, Facebook is awesome. <laughs> like, so here, here's my theory: is that people listening uh, might be like myself and just might not have a connection to someone in Facebook and are like just sure. genuinely curious about what it's like working at a big company. So that's why I like keep going into all these questions. Like, yeah, I mean, Facebook is pretty unique. I, my brother works at Google actually. Oh, he works at Google Plus. Oh, um, which interesting. Is, we, we family know. drama <laughs> yeah. um but but yeah but it, it, that's kind of like a window i have into google and, and facebook is like un- pretty unique when it comes to big companies i mean google is like 10 times the size of, of facebook so maybe facebook will eventually get there but um it's a uh, it's I, I think it's it's like unique and worth talking about i mean if people are interested what what's the biggest differentiator about facebook uh maybe on the design ethos compared to a company like Google? Um, I mean, I, it's hard for me to like answer that question specifically because I don't, I have, I don't work at Facebook and, and you don't work at Facebook. Uh, I wouldn't work at Google. <laughs> Close. <laughs> shit. Here we thought we had a big face with dude. <laughs> yeah, we've been asking all the wrong questions. <laughs> um, but I, you know, for what I hear, I, uh, Facebook seems like a much, uh, nimbler company like like they were able to move faster there's a lot more flexibility it, you know inside the company there's a lot of different things that we do um, you know there's we now have things like Instagram and like WhatsApp and Oculus and the Facebook ecosystem and Messenger all these things that are um, related somehow but uh, but they're fairly different problems that you need to, that you need to solve 
Um, and the company is very open to allowing you to explore whatever you're interested in. Um, so if you work on something for a year or two and you're like, okay, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of done of exploring events on Facebook. Like I, I feel like I, you know, I've done that. You can go from events to like Oculus, which is like a completely different problem. Um, and, and I know that other companies kind of like frown up. I don't know if they frown upon that, but it's, it's, it's harder to switch teams, things like that. Um, Facebook is also like much more open than um, any other company of that size, I would say. Um, we have, um, you know, like we have kind of our internal version of Dribble within Facebook, where it's like a like a website where you post all your work. Everyone, all the designers in the company post their work there, and that's just the way you share files because they're hosted um, online, and that's a feed, so that you can see what anybody is doing, like no matter the rank, right? Like I can see like what Mike Mattis is doing. I can see what like this guy that just got hired is doing or this new grad is doing all within the same feed. Um, so that's good because we get a sense of kind of like the zeitgeist of design of the company. Um, and, and we can like, we can kind of uncover things that we uh, might overlap. So like somebody else might be working on something that is kind of related to what I'm doing. I can just like ping them like, Hey, we're working this similar problem. Let's, let's sync up. So we come up with a, like the same solution, which I, um, I know it's a, it's a problem at other bigger companies that where like, you know, there's like all these secret projects and like somebody else might be working on the exact same thing that you're working on. Um, but you can't talk about it and things like that. Uh, like Google's notably famous for not having a dribble profile, but Facebook is so open about like letting people share Facebook projects, obviously, like post-launch and stuff. Yeah. Um, can you give your, I guess, opinion? I don't know if you're part of that decision. Um, to like be more open about design, or is it a hiring play, or why is Facebook like so open about that compared to someone like Google? Well, I mean, our whole mission for the company is to make the world more open and connected. Um, so we try to live that mission, um, and that's that's great about Facebook that. You know, uh, sound like a freaking commercial, but like when you when you start working there, they uh, they um, they tell you like you should be your authentic self, and like they really kind of like push for that. Like you can be whoever you want, and that's okay. And I, we we realize that's kind of like a bit ahead of of like most workplaces. Like you can't expect like Comcast to like tell their employees, "Oh, be your authentic self." That's totally fine. And like a guy walks in and drag, they're like, "Ah." You know, like, but on Facebook, that's like totally fine. Um, so we, we try to like nurture that, that mission within the company. And that involves like, um, from a design standpoint, like sharing your knowledge with the community. So that's like being active on Dribble, creating open source, um, things like origami or the pop animation library that we released recently, like all these things that, that are meant to give back to the community. Parse or parse. You're right. All these things that, um, that are just like, embracing this concept of being open and and as much as we can um so that other people can benefit of, of the things that we do so after saying that you can tell us about your fancy project <laughs> well that's not facebook related uh def- no i was talking about your facebook project oh right right uh maybe i could just like maybe next time <laughs> maybe yeah maybe oh, yeah maybe we'll know by then yeah since you're gonna be in london for a I- year yeah <laughs> i guess if it's a strategic thing it makes sense to to keep it quiet um where do you see yourself in Facebook in the next few years? Like, do you have interest in moving away from design and being more managerial, or do you always see yourself as like a maker and uh, like in the trenches designer? Yeah, to me, that's like the million dollar question, man. Like, I, I 
I so I have been uh, like design manager, quote unquote, before, um, which is more kind of like a creative director thing. But it was like a lot of like people management stuff, which I enjoyed. Uh, I really like that. I like building a culture and like helping, uh, like empowering the team to do their things. And like whenever uh, uh, somebody in the team does something that's awesome, I can I I take pride of saying like, oh, this this is so and so made this, and like I'm like I'm like tangentially related to that but like that makes me feel good even though somebody else made it so like i like that that part of it uh but at the same time like working with pixels is like my happy place you know like i i um i don't know like working in photoshop or sketch or like making prototypes that's like so much fun so it's it's hard to give up um so finding that balance it's a it's a big it's a a struggle for me i don't i don't i don't know like where i want to be when it comes to that um is there any sort of pressure to like move up towards management or is Facebook pretty open about people that just like if they want to work at pixels for 10 like work on pixels for 10 years like there's no pressure to to move up or be like senior or anything like yeah no I mean yeah there's people that have been uh, they call it I, the ICs they're individual contributors um, there's people that have been in that path for like forever like five years or longer um, and that's totally fine. I mean, that, that, a, man, a manager, at least the way Facebook puts it, is, is not an any any better than right an individual of contributor. Course. Yeah. Um, like it's not it's not a promotion that you get. Uh, it's just like literally like two completely different problems that that you need to deal with. Like you gotta deal with, uh, like you know, like people stuff as opposed to pixel stuff. Um, and there's like overlap there uh, always. Like you know, as, as a product designer, you gotta like step outside of of. Your, of of your computer and like do things that benefit the team at large. And as a manager, you need to be involved with like the, the quality of the product. Um, but I, I know I don't, I don't think there there's pressure. I think that they're, they're two different, like there's two different flavors of ice cream. I've noticed that moving from like Minneapolis here, uh, their like org charts go from like the doers are at the bottom and like the, sayers are at the top but here it's a lot of like sayers in support of doers rather than like so they're like propping them up instead which is really fascinating and really awesome to see i don't know it makes me really excited yeah i mean i that, that's probably why i haven't gone the management route really um i mean outside from the you fact you don't want to be low <laughs> well and, no and but, plus you're bad at design so right. problem solved <laughs> right right no but it, it's it's because I I I really hate meetings. Like <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> like, that's the one reason. Like meetings is like the opposite of work. Like it's just like any any minute you spend in the meeting is like a minute you're not spending doing things. Um, but they're necessary, I guess. Like you know, and and you need to have a bigger respect for them to be like the one scheduling them. Um, so so yeah, I, I yeah, but but I like the fact that that um typically. And if the environment is, um, you know, I don't know, if it's healthy, management should be just like moving obstacles out of the way so that uh, you can just work. And, yeah. and I, th- I think a lot of people see managers as like people who tell people what to do, but really they should just be like removing the like non-focuses, like just kind of like guiding them in a direction, not telling them what to do. Like these are the people you hired because they're good at something, right? unless you're working at like some crappy like midwest company where they're like we'll take anyone and train them to do this one thing like a robot like have you had a manager at facebook that has like helped you in a special way uh in terms of design like growing your mentorship 
Um, and how did they do that? I've, I've always been curious about that. Um, I mean, in my case, has been just like really inspirational. I, um, my first manager at Facebook was uh, this wonderful lady called Margaret Stewart. She she's just like really knowledgeable. Uh, she's giving like TED talks and and like like my first week, like she was like, oh, can you can you come over my office because I'm doing like a rehearsal for my TED talk next week. I was like, what? And like I gave her notes and she like considered them for their TED talk and like the TED talk is now online. You know what I mean? Like, um, so it's just really inspirational to see those people like doing what they love and um, like I just hope I can be like them one day when I grow up. <laughs> Yeah, do you get the chance to to speak and go to conferences and things like that? Yeah, I, I I've gotten a couple chances, um, and that's something that I enjoy doing. I would like to do more. Um, I've been speaking at like colleges recently, um, which is good because like we we've been doing this for a little while now, and the things that we consider are um, like obvious. It's like mind blowing for college students. Um, oh wait, give an example of that. Well, like I said earlier, like, um, like you should be, uh, pursuing your interests, like outside of what you're being told. Like, you know, like you, you go to school for like however many years you you get these assignments and you complete the assignments and that's how you consider progress. Uh, and then like, there's this guy that comes from like Facebook and tells you, Hey, uh, you know, that those like two extra hours you got a day, like actually keep working during those two extra hours. Um, that's not time off. No, you don't need permission to go do something. Yeah, that's something I see all the time. Like, that blows my mind. Like, because I know I used to do that exactly. Like, I used to be like, I have time off. I'm just going to go hang out with people. Now it's like, I'll hang out with people part of the time. But most of the time, I'm working. All yeah. the time. I mean, we keep hearing over and over again that, like, you you get hired for the work that you do outside of your work, right? Like, yeah. how far are you pushing yourself to learn something new and start side projects and explore and it's great to hear that it's no different for you guys. I, I mean, I, I think it depends on the industry, but like something like Facebook, um, there's really no school out there that is really teaching the specific skills you need to know to work at Facebook. Like there's, there's no school where you're like, Oh, he has a, a master's in whatever, whatever. He's totally qualified. <laughs> like <laughs> masters at Facebook design 101. <laughs> right. Like, and I mean, a lot of the things that we're doing, we're doing for the first time too. So like, there's really no, no, like, book or manual to follow to do these things um so so like maybe if you're again if you're going into book design like you can like take certain courses and like you're like you'll be immediately qualified but if you want to go into this like tech world um you have to like step outside the academia world and explore kind of how people build products today which is um just hacking your way through it really uh, well, thanks so much for coming on to the show, Gabe. We're out of time. Uh, can you tell <laughs> listeners where they can find you online? Yeah, uh, you can uh, uh, try spelling my name um, uh, on Twitter or online. Gabriel Valdivia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, we'll we'll link we'll put links in the show notes uh, on cool. designdetails.fm. But uh, yeah, yeah. Well, do you want people to follow you on Twitter, Dribble? Do you have a preferred network? Um, no, I, I want to meet people however they want to get in touch with me. Go can, on Twitter and tell him how bad of a designer he is. He really <laughs> likes that. Everyone should email. He'll write a blog post about David. you, actually. <laughs> yeah, you will. Yeah, uh, we'll link to your blog, too. I enjoyed reading your articles today. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me. 